Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. Alright, boys and girls, welcome back. Uh, Today we are talking about Fallout 4. Timely. It has now come to my attention that half the people in this podcast have not beaten uh, the game. And uh, spoilers will be coming out. I'm like, sorry. They're like, wait, we're not spoiling this, right? I, I, guess, we'll, I, guess, I guess we'll just like ask for some people to use earmuffs at that point. But... I, I have a good idea of what happens uh, right. in the ending, but... We have a giant 55-gallon drum of sand in the room. <laughs> And ne- you're just going to stick your head in it. Oh, <laughs> ne- needless so that's to what say, that barrel is ne- full of sand for. <laughs> needless to say, I thought it was like a therapy thing. That's interesting. No. Yeah. Needless to say, uh, if you do not want this game spoiled for you, uh, get out. Uh, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Stop listening get, to get, our get, podcast. Get, Go listen to the podcast about Event Horizon. <laughs> In fact, listen if you have already, listen to it twice. It's yeah, actually. listen to it for my dulcet tones. Um. <laughs> by the way, who do we have here today? Uh, so, uh, by the way, once again, hear things for uh, some reason. once again, Andrew Miller is joining us. You can't stop me. I can only be contained. <laughs> uh, motivated, 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 motivated. However, we are missing we are missing a botker. So I I know it's a, it's a sad day, but so uh, I'm Colin. I'm Ben. This is Eric. <laughs> I'm Jason. I'm back. It's Andrew. <laughs> I'm Mark. Uh, by the way, I just want to point out that. Uh, Eric has not played Fallout 4. <laughs> he's also never played any Fallout before. Oh, yep. But the fact, that he's, the fact oh. he has a soothing <laughs> voice. Elder <laughs> but the, the fact that he's here... That's Wait, good you haven't even played any Elder Scrolls before? I have no background oh, for this whatsoever. Did he's you never play, even like, heard Bethesda. You ever play any, like, any did, Bethesda games? Did you, did you, play, did you play Sonic the <laughs> Have you ever played a video game? No. What? These video games you speak of. He only plays Overwatch. Yeah, video games I, on no, computers I, I, now. I, I gotta lie, I, I told him that it was uh, uh, Heroes of the Storm podcast today, yeah, and yeah. so he showed up really excited. <laughs> he was confused about the chains at first, but he's getting used to them. <laughs> um, Alright, so Ben, you want to start off with the news? Sure! Good soundtrack, guys. The news! 20th Century Fox has released a set photo from Alien Covenant mm-hmm. featuring star Michael Fassbender and director Ridley Scott sitting at a table. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Yeah. Michael Fassbender's getting into everything. Yeah, tables, he was, chairs. Well, he was in Prometheus. The movie synopsis oh, yeah. from superhero hype is set as the second chapter in a prequel trilogy that began with Prometheus. Alien Covenant connects directly to Ridley Scott's 1979 seminal work of science fiction. It begins with the colony ship Covenant, bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy. There, the crew discovers what they think is an uncharted paradise, but is actually a dark, dangerous world whose sole inhabitant is the synthetic David, survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. I assume it's just his head. That's just like that makes sense. I hope it's just that. Really sounds like Prometheus. No, <laughs> Alien Covenant will yeah, star Michael Fassbender, Hale. Catherine Waterston, Danny McBride, and more, and is set to release on. Danny, Danny McBride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said the same thing when I saw that casting. Like, 
And okay. it's set to release on, on August 4th, 2017. Meanwhile, let's all just sit and hope Ridley Scott remembered how to direct an alien movie since Prometheus. So there's that. I have faith in Ridley. We'll see. I'll be waiting. The space I'll be waiting until Blu ray in Ridley. Disaster. Uh, David Duchovny is mad, everyone. Oh. Speaking to TV Insider about the 10th season of The X Files, he had this to say. I think there were too many. Rewound that. It's interesting that they recorded all of that. <laughs> Put it online. I think there were too few episodes. <laughs> 22 is far too many, but 6 is too few. So Agreed. we've got to figure out something right in between. The X-Files premiered their 10th season back in January after ending 8 years ago. Despite receiving lukewarm reviews from critics, the show shattered many ratings records at Fox, and they promised more X-Files was coming, though have yet to officially announce anything. In the meantime, may every successful show in the golden age of television recommend the next season be 10 to 13 episodes. I think X-Files yeah. season 11 should be an anime. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, yes. <laughs> I could do it. I've seen one anime in my life. So. <laughs> I could do a whole podcast about the event series, which is season 10. But I definitely agree. And I'm actually kind of happy that David Duchovny recognized that or realized that. Because I know the reason that they did such a short season was because, you know, everyone was kind of excited about it, but they weren't totally down and they're like yeah I don't know I'm doing these other shows and you know uh, what does, is, anyone, does anyone really want this is the question they ask yeah, sure <laughs> there were two episodes in that six episode run that were great episodes of the X-Files one of them I would say is one of the best episodes of the X-Files so to me if they could keep the quality up and they get the original people involved if they like brought Vince Gilligan back for an episode or two that'd be something that would be great but there were too many filler episodes for the six episode. You know, if you're going to have a it six episode been, season, been, they should all be killers. They shouldn't yeah. be filler episodes. It, it should have been and like stronger. three or four of them were. Yeah, yeah he's definitely. Just, he's just been busy filming uh, Vince Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> You've been sitting on that since you heard that name. <laughs> yeah. you got to play the Gilligan's Island theme song. <laughs> and finally, it's the most wonderful time Soon. of the gaming year. That's right, the Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, took place the week of June 13th. I have to say that because I don't know when this is actually going to be released. If I say last <laughs> week, like, they're going to be like, no, 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 Are we in the future? <laughs> we are in the future, right? 20 now. months cool. ago. But now we've just dated the podcast, so if we don't put he it can up cut in two months, yeah. <laughs> yeah but anyway, I wish I you didn't like the podcast as a friend. Right, pa pause. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Lots of very cool sci-fi games were revealed, including, but not limited to, Take breath here. Dishonored 2, Final Fantasy 15, Gears of War 4, Horizon Zero Dawn, Titanfall 2, Watch Dogs 2, Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, surprisingly, Recore, We, Fa we Happy Funerals. <laughs> we Happy Funeral? Yeah, I almost said We, ha we Fappy Few, we, sorry. I think it's a refap. We Happy Few. <laughs> refap. Detroit Become Human, Warhammer, 40K, Dawn of War 3, that is one game. Deus Ex Go, Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is a VR game. Yes. It's underwhelming. Prey, Quake Champ Champions, and Hideo Kojima's ambiguous yet insanely hyped mega awesome return to gaming with Death Stranding starring Norman Reedus. The naked that Norman looked Reedus. awesome. Yeah, so what, what was what was your idea? What, we go around the table. Yeah, yeah. So, so what you, what you guys excited for with E three? I'm sure everyone's mm -hmm. like at least mostly caught up with the E three news now. Everyone's had their chance to see their favorites. Uh, 
Like, as far as, like, sci-fi games go, what are you guys most excited for from... I'll go E3? first. I'll okay. Go first. The new Call of Duty, actually, is one of my most anticipated games. Looks awesome. Yeah. I would never ever think I would say that about think, Call of Duty, yeah. but that looked So, amazing. wasn't the trailer for that, like, massively panned, though? Doesn't it have, like, the trailer, close to a million the dislikes? Trailer. The announcement, the announcement trailer. trailer. They showed a gameplay trailer for E3. Colin and I were watching the gameplay demo during the Sony press Not conference. Not knowing what it was. They, they announced what it was at either. the end. And we were like, this looks like awesome sci-fi. This when, looks incredible. When they switched to the first person, like the gun, you know, then yeah. I was like, oh, that's when totally see, that's totally the Call of Duty engine. When you see engine. the reticle? When you see the... Re- the uh, yeah, it's the totally the Call of Duty engine, but before that, I was literally, what am I watching? This looks incredible. Battlestar Galactic for the game. It was really cool. I think that some of the elements, you know, where they're actually showing, you know, from, you know, you're walking on the ship, you get in the, you know, the jackal or whatever the, the, the spaceship is. Yeah. You shoot out into space. You're having an aerial dogfight, you a know. A super above. fast aerial dogfight. Yeah. Fight I, it was very fast paced. I've read some things. I've read some write-ups that, you know, different, um, uh, you know, people that attended uh, E3 have kind of written up and said, like, you know, these are their, uh, you know, their thoughts on it. They said that... Um, Supposedly, those areas are supposed to really open up. So it's some parts are still scripted, as all the Call of Duties are, but a lot of those are trying to expand now and kind of make it, you know, oh, you know, you can approach this however you want. I think if they really make it where you're jumping around doing these different things and kind of, you know, going from gameplay element to gameplay element, it could be cool. It could bring a lot of people back into the fold, even if people don't want to give it a chance. Definitely. Because I was too. I was blown away. I haven't haven't played a Call of Duty in at least. Five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Modern this, I, this, yeah, I think Modern this, Warfare Two is the last yeah. one. I oh no, Black, Black, Black Ops. Black Ops. I played Black I did Ops. Black Ops too. Oh yeah, yeah. Black Did, Ops. This would this will definitely be at least a rent on my. Yeah, it's a rent. Oh, yeah. It'll be something to check out. But yeah, it looks cool. If the multiplayer turns out to be kick ass, which uh, I don't know, Call of Duty multiplayer doesn't really impress me anymore. So, but who knows? Your E three highlights. Um, one honorable mention that I would like to say. Before I, I say my favorite thing that I that I'm looking forward to, I uh, I forget what it was called before dawn or <laughs> Jesus whatever. Christ. Horizon Zero Dawn. No. Detroit Become Human. No. Just after the, dawn. The, it was the zombie one with the biker guys. Days Gone. Days, uh, gone. days gone. I didn't that, that looked great. Days. Like, I've never seen for, a the, Yeah, they they announced so many zombie games in the last couple of years because it was you know a big hyped thing, and it. I was expecting it to kind of just be like, oh yeah, it's another zombie game, but it actually Those by the hordes. end of the trailer it looked really cool. Those hordes. I've yeah, never seen a zombie game like that. Yeah. Open was, world zombie uncharted. Yeah, it looked it looked pretty cool. It looked really cool. But, I agree. I want to hear more about that one. My my like most excited game is the Horizon Zero Dawn. Really? Robot dinosaurs and like yeah. pr- primal riding around and and trapping them and you know recoding and scavenging for parts and making traps. It looks so cool. I'm really excited for that. I lo- I love that mix of technology and uh, dinosaurs. Like very pre very like pre technology society. Mixed with like high tech, it, it really reminded me. And I don't know if you, you guys played this, but it was probably one of my favorite games of the last console generation. Was uh, Enslaved, Journey to the West. Then you guys played. It was a great run. Enslaved was a great. It was. Run. It was. I didn't buy it. It was a good, you know, a good five night rental. But the whole aesthetic of the, you know, lush <laughs> post apocalypse. Yeah. It definitely. was, you know, cities. There's robotics. There's all this these futuristic elements, but it's all. 
overgrown, you know, it's a vine is growing up a skyscraper. And that's kind of what, you know, that trailer really reminded me of because you see, you know, the street signs and you see, you know, stoplights and all this sort of stuff, but yeah. it's overgrown. And then all of a sudden, oh, she's hunting a robot dinosaur. What's <laughs> going on here, you know? Horizon, Horizon Zero Dawn is very much enslaved if they had more money. Yes. Like, it's, yeah. enslaved is a very linear experience. Horizon's a very open world, you mm -hmm. can tell, so it's cool stuff. Uh, yeah, no, I'm looking <laughs> forward to Zelda. Not not sci-fi. Pokemon, sci-fi. Pushing sci it, not totally sci-fi. Sci sci <laughs> no, I know. Um, I haven't, I actually honestly haven't watched most of any E3 coverage, um, but I saw the trailer for that new Resident Evil game, and that looks oh. scary as hell. I didn't see that coming. Like, I, I was like, yeah, oh, that's Zombie Evil. ghosts? Resident Pete Evil? <laughs> well, I mean, ostensibly, yeah. Like, well, they, now, they, they showed it during the, the VR presentation. Is that going to be, like, VR only or full, something? No, uh, it's, no VR it's fully VR-capable, which makes it sound like it's going to be a first-person Resident Evil game, which is unfortunate, but... First-person games... Uh, In my opinion, Resident Evil died once uh, they a horror game, gave Wesker a rocket A horror launcher, game so. is always better in first person. It puts you in it more, I mm. think. Yes. I agree. But Three highlights <clears throat> that I will talk about from E3. All right. Welcome to the E3 cast. For, <laughs> at this point. <laughs> first, first highlight um, that I would point out would be, uh, and something I didn't know anything about before I saw it, but the trailer really blew me away, was uh, Detroit become human yeah love this type of game have become big on this type of game in the last few years and i think that that type of game storytelling is really maturing which is kind of interesting since it's so narrative driven and you know choices but um before dawn was great i love all the other quantic dream games so i'm really excited uh that looks really cool um other one um didn't really show much on it but i'm just hoping beyond all hope that mass effect andromeda is awesome I hope that they took the good lessons from Dragon Age Inquisition and got rid of the bad and, you know, kind of... I didn't mention Andromeda I'm because hoping. they didn't really talk about Andromeda at all. I know, one but... one more vague trailer. It was, but just the fact they're showing, you know, like, large-scale Mako driving around, you know, it, it, it seems to me like that trailer, even though it was behind the scenes, it's really hearkening back to the spirit of the first game. So I'm hoping that... They take the spirit of the first game and kind of meld it with, you know, what they learned gameplay-wise in the subsequent games, but make it bigger, you know. That would be my hope. Um, and then I had a third one. Ah! The new Hideo Kojima game. Yeah. Death Stranding! I've seen so many batshit crazy analyses of that trailer. It's awesome. The, just the little things people pointed out. You know, Norman Reedus' dog tags actually have, you know, physics equations on them, and people are, you know, throwing out that he's some sort of interdimensional prisoner time traveler that's doing all... And, and it's just like, it's a, the vaguest trailer imaginable, but all the Kojima fans have this, these absolutely insane theories already, and I it, love it. It's so, worth because I'm one of them. It's worth noting they haven't even begun production on that damn game. Like, he said they haven't. So, that was the trailer that they just created right there mm -hmm. for... Everything he who knows what that game's about. Yeah, I'm expecting like a, a, a late 2019 release for oh Well, I think One, that's being conservative. I would say 2020, 2021. My, my favorite <laughs> comment I saw on uh, Kotaku Future. on an article for it was that uh, the only thing Kojima has taken 
is Sony mo Sony's money and Norman Reedus's clothes. <laughs> but, but that's, uh, that's the only thing he's actually Reedus, please get to do it. Eric? <laughs> I, I mean, that's the same game that, that's got me excited. Yeah. Because for whatever reason, more so than the last decade, I'm excited for where video games are going. And I mean, this decade has seen this strange evolution of, you know, like the Kinect and these Wiimotes where you've got cameras and your controllers and everything. I'm so excited for this sort of like merging of media that's happening here where, where Norman Reedus is like, he's in the game. He is like this character. You know, he might not have that same name, but it's his likeness. It's his voice. It is supposed to be him to you. I love that they're merging celebrities and cinematics and games. It just, they're just, they're coming to this I don't know. They're just coming together so seamlessly now where people who want to watch a movie but want to interact with it are playing video games. And people who want to play a video game but also want a movie are, are there for that same reason. It's just, it's just bringing people in, you know, to basically interact with a movie, you know. And it's, it's becoming something more than movies and more than video games. And I love this. I add pop culture, too, is drawing in. And That's what Ben was saying about Uncharted before. Yeah, like it's it's such a beautiful series, and if you want to, you can just run through it like it's some huge adventure that you're a part of. It like draws you in. Yeah. It's and like since, a movie, but it draws you in. And since you have a PS4 in your house, I recommend you go find Beyond Two Souls and play that. Yes. Because while it's not Quantic Dream's best, it's exactly what you're talking about. Where it's very cinematic and it's still a good story. It's a really good story, regardless. I think I know Jason wasn't a big fan. No, I was. I was. I, I, I what well, you said. I don't think it's their best game. But I enjoyed it. I, I definitely did. So, I mean, it's, that's another one that just got eviscerated when it came out, but definitely right. worth checking out. I'll wrap up this very long news section about E3 <laughs> with uh, mentioning that, yes, of course, I'm excited for Death Stranding, but I'll be excited for Death Stranding every year, so that doesn't really count. I'm also excited <laughs> for Horizon Zero Dawn Detroit Become Human, but I'm going to be the outcast here and say I'm pumped for Final Fantasy XV. I'm calling it sci-fi because it is sci-fi. Let's be serious. It's way more sci-fi than it is a Final Fantasy. <laughs> this game, I bought a PS3 for Final Fantasy. In fact, why don't we just call it Final Sci-Fi? It should be. It's the start of a new series called Final Sci-Fi. No, it's straight up, I bought a PS3 for this game. PS4 is out now. I want everyone to soak that in. <laughs> I solely bought a PS3 for this game, and it never came, and I felt ripped off. I found Uncharted and all, all these other great games, which is nice. But now, finally, after six be long okay. years, I don't know. I bought, September. A I bought a PlayStation 2 for uh, Combat Evolved, Halo. I'm, st I'm still waiting. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> after six for, long for years, <laughs> after six long years, this game is coming. No doubt. Oh my god! Last Guardian. I'm sorry. Oh, I totally everything I said, but that's it. I, it's not sci-fi. I'm gonna talk about. <laughs> oh my god, Last Guardian. But that's all I, I hear about. I forgot about okay, it. Well, it, does if uh, uh, no one else has anything to say about E3, no one does. Let's talk. About <laughs> no one does. We're Steven talking Kyle about. Shits. We're gonna talk about Fallout Four. Yeah, that's what I said. Well, it's my job. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm embracing the antagonist. <laughs> so I feel like, based on Ben's statement, that we're going to have a spectrum here of uh, reactions to Fallout 4. So but, but, I'm pretty curious to see what everyone thought. Are you going to be okay with spoilers? We'll see. 
I, like it, I said, it, it, might, it might slip out. Like I said, I've got a pretty good idea of the whole like Sean ending story arc. Okay, but I I haven't actually gotten that far. I'm on the Courser mission. You're there's no, there's no, there's. <laughs> you're, you're, okay, yeah, you're you're good. Like I just need to find the I I think I'm in the area where the Courser is. Like I was uh, following the radio signals. And so I'm about ready to go to, uh, whatchamacallit. He's like nearly done. Jimmy's <laughs> Everything we talk about is a spoiler for me. As soon as you said the name Fallout 4, that spoiled it for me. Well, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't know that yeah. we were going to hey, talk about place, it. It takes place after a nuclear war. <laughs> and an alternate reality. No. Uh, no, so, where the, where the transistor was Posit me a question. Huh? Posit me a question. You want a question? I want a question. You want a question about, about Fallout, Fallout 4. 4. Okay. So, you, Jason, having, having followed this series uh, for a long time, would, would 2 would be the first one you, you played? You didn't <laughs> yeah, I played, them, I played them on PC, mm-hmm. on my rudimentary PC setup. Because I Windows had better 98. PCs when PCs didn't need to be powerful back in the day, <laughs> back in the 90s. Windows 98. Um, so, yes, I played Fallout, kind of followed it. Throughout the years, um, so you went, and then you played three, which I mean, three was great, and you played New Vegas. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Objectively, I know you, you, did. I know you did. The best Fallout is New Vegas, and and then four came out. Four now, did come out. They didn't hype this up. This game was not hyped at all. It was shrouded in mystery. We get the announcement trailer. We get one gameplay trailer. And then the game was there. So here's my thought. The community hypes it. I'm going to open this wide up. We're going to blow wide open. (laughs) The bigger issue for me, and Fallout 4 I think is a prime example of it, and people may disagree, Bethesda Game Studios, since Skyrim really, has kind of been on a journey a little bit towards the mainstream as they've become a bigger developer as they've you know gotten larger they've grown their fan base you know that they're huge now whereas you know you go back to the early 2000s they're releasing a game like Morrowind which is a very niche sort of title it's a you know RPG that's you know uh, the RPG fans are getting behind because of all these you know things you can do possibilities you know it's an RPG through and through as time has kind of gone on and I noticed it with Skyrim versus you know the previous Elder Scrolls games right um, you know it, it's been a gradual kind of you know Opening it up a little bit, trying to, you know, make it a little bit more broadly appealing. So that's kind of my, I guess, where I'm curious as to where they're going to go now from here. So the next Fallout game, the next Elder Scrolls game. I really enjoy certain elements about Fallout 4. I thought overall, I, I think it's a good game. But is it a good RPG? That's the That's the question. I mean, we play these games because... They're, you know, we, we want to play these roles. We want to, you know, be the savior of the wasteland or be a total asshole of the wasteland. I mean, I don't know. That's something I've kind of grappled with. I've played a lot of Fallout just recently, yeah. over the last month or so. You know, I've probably sunk two days into it over the last month. Yeah. Whereas when it came out, you know, I burned myself out on it. I didn't play it for four months. So a lot of these things I've kind of just experienced in a short amount of time. Um, and like, there's other things, you know, including like DLCs and stuff like that, which I'm sure we'll hit on a little bit, but, uh, that's kind of my big question to everybody that 
I know that's played it, I always ask him, what do you think when you compare it to the other games, when you compare it to kind of Bethesda's trajectory over time, you know, is it just me that's noticing this kind of trend, or is it something that everyone else has kind of picked up on a little bit? The answer to your possibly rhetorical question or from the middle of that is no, it is not a good RPG. In fact, it is a bad RPG. It is a very bad RPG. I want this to be very you clear. Rub the art, you want to rub this really game's nose bad. into this. It's a bad, RPG. bad, bad boy, Todd Howard. Stop it. And in fact, I just, I just came across this. Uh, Fallout 4 lead, Todd Howard dialogue system didn't work as well. And that is the biggest failure of this game, was the dialogue system. It failed. It was a good idea. It was awful execution. Now, question. When you say dialogue system, do you mean the actual options you have, or do you mean the voice protagonist? I don't care about voice protagonists. If I played a Fallout game, I wouldn't care about voice protagonists. Well, do you think the voice protagonists worked, though? They were... No. No, it, no, it, it could Because here's the thing. I, I, I opened up, before Fallout 4 even began, my journey in Fallout 4 even began, I had plans. I was like, all right, first I'm going to make a character, and he's just going to be your average Joe. He becomes <laughs> a hardened killer, and that's just the way he's got to be. Because that was like my, my game when I did 3 in New Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I like, you know, that was that character. He did that. In New Vegas, I had a cowboy. He was left for dead, and he was angry, and it was awful. But he was an old cowboy. He was out for vengeance, all that kind of stuff. He left that world behind, but now he's got to come back because someone shot him in the face. Like, that's the way the world works. The essence of role-playing. And Fallout 4, I was yeah. like, okay, so after my after my average Joe turned hard and killer, I'm going to do a woman. She's going to be a mad scientist. She's going to be nuts of the loss of her child. Ah, I want to kill everyone. Blah. She's going to carry robots around and have them execute everyone. Blah, blah, blah. Super cool. I can't do a mad scientist character with that voice actor. It doesn't work for me. And then pull it out of the moment. I won't go back and make a new character. How were you ever able to ever. do Renegade with Shepard? I mean, I... I don't... I actually do uh, FemShep for Renegade. But... I think FemShep's but, a better Renegade uh, than, uh, than MailShep is. But I will never make another character in Fallout 4. I will... If I ever do get to the DLCs, which I don't think I will, I will... Play my same character. You were so Which excited that, for the DLCs, Well, too. I don't want to get I the know. DLCs yet, but that'll definitely be a point that, you know, let's bring that up further well, along, because that's that's a good one to bring up. But that's my opinion. Before we keep going forward, I just want to talk about that whole dialogue system. Uh, I think they were onto something. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a good idea. However, there wasn't a lot of options. They gave you options, but they weren't really options. Mm-hmm. You had three positives and one negative you know you can either agree with every most of it's just agreeing and then a maybe that those are your answers you give people in the game yeah and i i I, I don't like that uh if you look at if you look at uh how like mass effect did it whereas you select one option and it opens up a whole nother tree of other options to (laughs) you know i always thought that was pretty good but well, I don't think thing. having fully voiced lines is worth sacrificing more choice. No, it, like it, it didn't. I, I have no other fallouts. This is my first fallout for me. <clears throat> I have no no other fallouts to compare this to, and I could tell it was lacking something that people had built on, like their excitement for the Fallout series had built on the role playing aspects, and it was just lacking that. I could tell without even having played the other ones that it wasn't mm-hmm. what everyone hyped it to be. Which is very um, sad, but there were. I mean, the I really enjoyed it. I've I've 
I haven't finished it. I've sunk tons and tons of time into it, and I love it. But that's an aspect of those games that I enjoy, and it just wasn't there. Well, it's funny you even say that because one of the things I noticed, and I think I, I had a post on Facebook, you know, maybe a month and a half ago, where I just kind of asked everyone, like, "Hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting back into Fallout. What did everyone kind of think of it? Now that we're you know six months removed, we can kind of all have a more you know a, a fair opinion because it's not brand new. It didn't just come out. We don't think it's the best thing ever, you know. And there was a lot of mixed sort of feedback. And I kind of thought to myself, like, you know what? I love this series, but I really don't know how I feel about it. I'm kind of tending towards maybe being a little bit disappointed or not really, you know, being like, you know, yeah, you know, this was a great experience. But then I did something. I went into my save game and I looked at it and I had like 75 hours played. And I'm thinking, well, I played this thing for 75 hours. So there must have been something there that was drawing me back and, you know, really you know, making me kind of enjoy the experience and put all the time into it. But I think that's the thing. There's so many improvements to the game that they made from, you know, three. Because I can't really include New Vegas, although I, I would agree. I think New Vegas is the best Fallout game. Mm -hmm. I still do. Um, I don't really include it because it's apparent that Bethesda Game Studios just ignored New Vegas. Like, New Vegas didn't exist. Yeah. They made Fallout 3. They made the DLCs. Then they made Fallout 4. They, oh, they made Skyrim first. Well, Fallout 4 is more of a spiritual sequel to Skyrim than it is to New Vegas. Yeah. Or even 3. Yeah. But, I mean, that's kind of the thing. that There's so many things that they improved. Like, I love the world of Fallout 4. I love the Commonwealth. I love just the more colorful design. I love, you know, the architecture. I love what they did with, you know, Boston. I have friends that lived in Boston and they said, Hey, this is actually a pretty good, you know, representation of the city. You know, it's obviously, you know, <laughs> I've it's, never it's, moved it's, just, it's, it's just like that, you know, these rad roaches everywhere. <laughs> but, but like they, they, they definitely nailed the vibe, you know, obviously pre-war Boston, but they definitely nailed the vibe in their own way. Um, I feel like the gunplay is a million times better. I still use VATS 100% of the time just because it's such a you know ingrained thing from the previous games. But I don't know. I feel like they're, they're, they definitely made improvements. They definitely you know made strides in some areas while other areas they toned down. You know, I was disappointed with it too. I mean, one of the things that people always use whenever they're talking about the game as kind of a criticism is that, you know, oh, you can play three or especially new vegas and really have to worry about you know skill checks and your factions and your alignments and you know what you're doing who you're pissing off who you're siding with you know there really wasn't any of that in in four really the only way out of quests is by killing something and that was kind of disappointing because i was always one of those people where you know i'm the warrior melee class in any you know rpg i ever played but i always put a lot of effort into, you know, high speech, high charisma. Mm -hmm. I like to have the option to talk my way out of a situation or to make alliances. And I was kind of bummed that, you know, there really weren't many options in the vanilla game. Yeah. I, I you know, emphasize that to really do that. And that was kind of a, a letdown for me. I think it's interesting that you said you didn't use, you still use VATS the most. Oh, VATS Because I think Fallout 4 made a better shooter than an RPG. I think it had some of the best shooting mechanics they've ever had. It was a lot of fun, and I tried very hard not to use bats. Use bats every single encounter. <laughs> uh, Andrew. Yeah. What did you think of Fallout 4? Well, you know, um, I had been... I, I started with 3. Um, 
like I said, New Vegas is my favorite. And I I like Fallout 4, like, a lot. Like, I've put 100 hours into the game. Um, That's it. <laughs> uh, I don't have a good enough PC, and so it starts to uh, chug whenever there's, like, a lot of lighting effects. Don't play the DLC. <laughs> just don't play the DLC. Yeah, no, it sounds, <laughs> break sounds like it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, it's just... Um, but no, I, I like it. It's, um, is it a good Fallout game? I don't think I can say that. Is it a good game? Yes. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it had, for me personally, it had a lot to live up to, um, with New Vegas. They made a great triple A title, for sure. But the story of Fallout, uh, New Vegas is objectively better. No, I can see that. Definitely. Um, see, we keep comparing it to previous Fallout titles, and I think that's where we're judging this game harshly. Well, when you have uh, a game that has a number at the end of it, I know, but every every, every game so. every yeah. game is different. No, it's a sequel. It should be better or get out. Aside from certain elements, it it doesn't really have much to do with Fallout Three or New Vegas, except for they take place in the same world. Right, but. They are designed when we when we talk about the Matrix Two, we always talk about the Matrix One. When yeah, we those, talk those about are the aliens, same, those are the same characters, but those are meant to be connected. Those are the it's same like, characters. I think this game has. It's to like saying that Final Fantasy Fifteen should be connected story wise to Final Fantasy Seven. We compare every like, Final Fantasy game ever created to Final Fantasy Seven. We, we, can, we even compare. We even compare Final. Fantasy VII the second time to Final Fantasy because they it was such a good game they made it twice. Well, I actually compare well, it to Final Fantasy X. Look, look at it. Look at it this way. So the way that I view because that's the thing as far as Western game developers that are making RPGs, I really you know enjoy Bioware RPGs. Mm -hmm. I think we all do, um, or you know older Bioware RPGs. But that's beside the point. Um, Bethesda GameWorks, I'm, I'm a huge fan of. I've followed them from Morrowind. Yeah. And for me, that's the biggest takeaway with Fallout 4. I saw what they were starting to do in Skyrim, although I think it worked better in Skyrim because they struck a better balance. Mm -hmm. And I saw what they tried to do in Fallout 4, and that is simplify those systems even more. And that's what let me down. Because a game like Morrowind or a game like Oblivion or even like Fallout 3... I feel like is, you know, again, they're trying to make this game that's going to be an action game, it's going to appeal to the masses, people are going to want to play it. They're not making, you know, a game for the curmudgeons who are sitting in, you know, their basements hanging out like we all are. They're making a game that they want to appeal to people. So, you know, they're going to try to make it as kind of, you know, open as possible, I guess. But I feel like they struck a better balance in like a Fallout 3, even though the gameplay, some, some elements of it, were a little wonky. You couldn't play that game as a first-person shooter. You just couldn't. You had to use VATS. You had to use those kind of almost like turn-based style systems. But like 4, you know, it plays a lot better. They've definitely come a long way in terms of developing a game that plays well, but then all these other elements kind of got lost in the mix. So now that's my thought, and, and I kind of have a little bit of hope for, but my thought is, you know, Elder Scrolls 6, Fallout 5, they'll kind of pull a Bioware in some ways and maybe realize that by gaining this new subset of fans, they've also alienated some of their older fans or some of the people that kind of saw them through the 2000s with some of these other games and maybe 
try to readjust the scales a little bit, readjust the balance. I you mean, know, I can't say that for sure. I mean, they're a huge company now. They've, you know, got a hell of a lot more fans in 2016, 2017 than they did, you know, in 2005. But I think um, what made it a better balance in Skyrim was the the storyline didn't require you to be a certain type of person. Where I feel like the relatability of the main character in Fallout 4 is like a family man, you know, he's, he's trying to find his kid and put his family back together. Whereas in Skyrim, you're just some fucking Nordic warrior going and killing dragons. Like, you don't even have to be a Nordic warrior. You could be anybody. Right, right, yeah. You, you could be anybody lot. in Skyrim. <laughs> you could be a... Like, it, it doesn't require you to be a certain type of person to be, like, a relatable character. You're just going around doing well, shit, th- like... That's why I personally will always like uh, the Elder Scrolls like beginnings compared to the Fallout like opening parts of the game is because with Elder Scrolls you're always just this unknown entity. You're you're a prisoner. You're always a prisoner of some type, escaping his bonds, her bonds, and you are able to just completely create your your character. Whereas in Fallout, what in Fallout Three, you had a dad. You you know you grew up in. Well, you're always gonna grow up in a fault, I suppose. But you know you, Liam Neeson. You had Liam Neeson. <laughs> and then in, in Fallout Four, you have a wife and a kid. There's. They made it too much like a movie and less like the open RPG that those things always were. I feel like it just took away some of their their options for where to go. Uh, yeah. Character story play wise, like. It took away some of the ability to make your own story when there was such like a character guideline set out for you. Yeah, that choice is crucial. Like especially in modern video games, you need to be able to choose between whether or not you want to like say, okay, this is the the best story in the game because there's always the best story arc in the game if you for watching if you just follow it and you just kind of click the things you can always tell what they want you to click. To get them the most, you know, like like badass plot in the game, or you can just go off the rails and do whatever you want. And and they, yeah, they right from the the get go. Because I watched the the beginning cinematics of the game. I watched people play the first two hours of the game. Right from the get go, they remove some of those options, and so you're kind of pushed towards it being like a cinematic experience. You don't get to decide you want to have, you want to go off the rails. I mean, they even and they even emphasize that you a either have a background as a lawyer or b a background as a soldier depending on your gender. Yeah. Uh like that's how much that they don't allow you to create the backstory for your character. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. pretty preset and I feel like that's a disappointing thing, but with Fallout 3 and 4, it it's always been more of a I don't want to say on rails because at their core these are pretty massively open world games. Yeah, um, it's just there definitely is like an uh, I'll say an ideal order uh, to events. They expect you to le- you know talk to Codsworth in town. They expect you to go immediately to meet Preston Garvey. They expect you to go immediately and meet you know maybe Paladin Dance or oh Paladin Dance. <laughs> Well, you know, we, they, they, they have, like, this expectation, and Fallout 3 was the same way. You you leave the, like, you know, you're trapped in the vault for, you know, the for the first part, and then it's like, okay, well, now go to Megaton. All right, now go to blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know. I felt 
a little I felt like New Vegas gave you more options because you didn't have that here let me spend 25 minutes of an opening uh, with a character and you know give it a background it's like hey you're a courier you got shot in the head this crazy robot cowboy dug you out of the ground and I pulled the bullet out of your head let's make your character real quick and then there's a whole Nevada out there for you like if you're brave enough and sneaky enough, you can get to New Vegas in like 10 minutes, like through the Deathclaw area. Like, most people won't do that. Most people will do the, you know, most Long people go to, They'll do the, yeah, they'll go to Prim, they'll go to uh, the Ranger, you'll, they'll go to the thing, you'll... <laughs> you, you do the thing with the yeah, guy, you Yeah, know. you go to, you go to Brad Scorpion um, Nipton, you go to Novak... <laughs> You sort of hit all those landmarks, but you can like you can kind of go anywhere, like, and and do really any build. There were I don't know I haven't played um, Far Harbor yet, but there are no fist weapons in Fallout Four. There's, there's a oh, few. I'll talk to you about Far Harbor. There's, <laughs> a, there's a concrete thing. Oh, yeah, did they add? Okay, no, that, no, that was in there original game. The, the vanilla, as I we never like found, to say. I never found any. Yeah, I didn't. I never found they it. Exist. It's way later. But, but it's, it's like, like from 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 yeah, like the get go. Like you can hand or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the death plug on. Yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. I just I like in I was doing a a playthrough um, on my Twitch channel of uh, I was calling it Fallout New Vegas the Boxer, and. You know, I, I had gotten to a certain point where it's like my character like has a bladed gauntlet and now I'm like just I'm I'm leveling the playing field with these characters who have guns. Like I, I was like, alright, no like this is Fallout New Vegas, no guns, but calling it the boxer. No guns, no I don't think I use grenades or anything, but it's like I don't know, it just feel like they, they took some some key options out. Even from Fallout three. Like they took out the whole skill leveling system like it's all now relegated to the the, the perks the, yeah the the special the perks and i don't know i liked um i liked uh, i liked this you know the skills it's like you know maybe you can maybe you can min max and get to a certain point where it's like okay if i use a skill book i can 100% speech check this or whatever but like i uh after sitting here listening to uh, you guys all go on, I'm going to realize that the quest lines, not the main story, but in Fallout 4, the quest lines kind of sucked. I don't think they were long enough or in-depth enough. Like, literally, there's a, there's that whole aspect when you're working um, for the Brotherhood of Steel where they're just sending you out to go, like, pick stuff up or clear an area. Like, that's not good gameplay that's not good quests i mean i know they're they're kind of optional or whatever but like i you know fallout new vegas had some great quests like it's like hey there's a serum in this like vault that's full of like weird spore creatures and then you learn about the weird spore creatures and then you go to zion and you learn that the weird spore creatures like are there like the, the 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 infected members of vault 22 found their way to Zion and were killed. Like, or, no, they killed a bunch of natives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the, the, the you find out the whole origin of the tribe, the Sorrows, like, why they're called the Sorrows. And it's like, 
This is there's so much like story stuff that's just well, right there, and the story's incredible. So you know, to that point, that kind of leads me to another question. I guess I would ask the group what you think because I read an article. It was another Kotaku article because I love Kotaku's game. <laughs> Some guys like yeah. IGN. I like, like Kotaku. Kotaku. I do. <laughs> so it was really interesting. But basically, what the article examined. And it really made me think, not only about Fallout and RPGs, but kind of about games in general and game design, especially open world game design. Um, it was the fact that Fallout 4 came out in a post-Witcher 3 world. Okay, so Witcher 3 came out in the spring of 2015, Fallout 4 came out in the fall of 2015. The Witcher, and I'll just go and say because this is my opinion i'm not saying this is an objective fact but it is one of the best open world rpgs ever made i i feel like the thing that the witcher 3 did really well and that resonated with a lot of players and a lot of critics was that every every single little iota of content in that game was connected it was meaningful somehow the the most minuscule side quest actually you know had Great dialogue, great writing. It had an overarching story that it was connected to. Nothing felt like it was just, you know, oh, okay, whatever, i got to go here and collect ten of these things. I mean, there were quests like that, but they hit it pretty well. I'm sure people would argue that or would criticize that or whatever, and that's, you know, that's fair, but that was kind of my thought, and it seems like enough people picked up on that to where when Fallout 4 came out, at least critically, it didn't get as much of a pass as I think it might have gotten, had some of these, you know, more hungry, kind of smaller development houses not come out with some of these games that were really pushing that. You know, Bethesda as a, a developer is, you know, always heralded as one of these, like, big, oh, the, you know, they're great, they're really pushing medium forward, everything else like that, but Fallout 4 was kind of a safe game. Yeah, it was. They didn't really, you know, they, they created this game <clears throat> that was visually, you know, it looked great, you okay. know, say what you will about their engine. You know, okay, it looks okay, but, you know, visually it looks a lot better than what their, you know, previous stuff was. Look better than Skyrim. Um, Gameplay-wise, they made some small improvements. They made some tweaks. I mean, it's a solid game that's playable. You know, there, there's no issue there. But they didn't really push it forward. I think every, a lot of people were expecting, like, the next step forward in gaming, almost. You know, that's kind of like the, what's placed on them, especially after Skyrim. And it, it wasn't. You know, a lot of reviews I read were just kind of like, this is a really cool game. Check it out. I mean, it's kind of, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. But it wasn't like, you know, no one was really raving about it. And that was one of the things that kind of struck me. So, I mean, what do you guys think of, you know, now an open world RPG or that style of game coming out in an era where, you know, the new norm is kind of this, you know, handcrafted kind of connectivity. Everything is, you know, this overarching thing. And they really put a lot of craft into it, I guess. I, I think that seems like the most challenging aspect of, of really making anything, but definitely making a video game these days, is making something uh, that's that, that finds that balance between being like new and groundbreaking and being satisfying, and, and, and where you like find or lose your authenticity there. Because if you just try to be like to blow people's minds, you, you kind of, you make your way into this territory where you're completely conceptual and then you're like, you know, like the, uh, you know, the education system that we all grew up with where, where it was like, 
you know, just, just try to teach you about these fantastic ideas and these, these things that you can be and these things that we can do, but there's no stimulation. And then you look at like modern day, uh, this might be a, a, an unrelatable example, but you look at like modern day everything and there's little, there's little noises and little coins that you collect and little, you know, like Candy Crush, for example. Not a good game by any measure, but very satisfying in a lot of ways. And so they're trying to find this balance in, in, a, in, a, in this, it's very, the lines are very blurred between like what, what makes an RPG, what makes any video game satisfying and makes you want to come back and what makes it really just change your perspective on video games and life and, you know, and, and, and like who you are and just all these things. And, and that's so tough. You, you, you definitely can't go all one way. You can't go all the other. And it's, it's blurry. What's right. one yeah. thing? Well, the, the nice thing about <clears throat> RPGs, and it's, that's a very, very broad, all-encompassing term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Role-playing game. Okay. Um, yeah. it, it really could be anything <laughs> in video gaming, but no, it can't. Oh, it's no. It's... I'm gonna fight you the hell out uh, of this. Yeah. A role-playing game is a game in which you play Rules. a role of a character that you create. Well, but that's but I I see what he's but there's like two different ways of taking that. There's the actual category of role-playing game. And then there's the fact that any game you play, you insert yourself as like a role in that game. Like you I have to, you, you have to be leveling your character, though. Character. You have to be leveling your character, though. You have to be gaining skills. You have to be gaining abilities. Right, but that's like the the categorical role playing game but, versus when you're playing a game and you're like you're playing it as a role playing game. You can do you can play any game as a role playing yeah. game. You, um, you can not even be a human character and still feel like you're building something and making something and telling a story. There's a lot of RPGs out there, and they're all very, very different. And when it comes down to it is, I think everybody plays an RPG for a different reason. Uh, one of the big things I look at when I play an RPG game is customization. Uh, like what, the, what your character's wearing, the weapons they're using, yeah, how, customized, care less. how customizable are the weapons. I, j I like the little things because I think that actually what the hell are you guys doing? Don't, don't ask. <laughs> right. I, I think that uh, the more you're able to customize your character adds to the whole RPG aspect not just the story. Yes, for me it's choice. I, I, I always that's play what, more what, or less you know my Shepard through Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 was John Shepard. He was the standard stock guy but for me it was the choices I made. I didn't customize his appearance very rarely in any of the Bethesda games. Will I really customize my appearance upon, uh, uh, like beyond making him really jacked and have a cool beard? <laughs> beyond that, because he's got to be a warrior melee class, because that's what I am in every RPG I ever play. But but you know that that's kind of my thought. It's the choices that I can make as a character. Who am I going to be? Am I going to be a paragon? Am I going to be a renegade? Am I going to be you know? the savior of the wasteland, or am I going to be the scourge of the wasteland? I mean, that's kind of, for that, me, what's important in... So you uh, guys are getting at the difference between an industry-defining role-playing game and users-defining role-playing game, like, sort of... Kind of. Yeah. I think Jason's, like, onto it, though. I think that, that a role-playing, you know, maybe maybe my definition wasn't great because I didn't have it pulled up, but, <laughs> but I think Jason's onto it is that the fact that a role-playing game is defined by choice... It's defined by the choices you make defining that character and creating that character. The best example I could have in Fallout 4 
of me having any semblance of choice in this character's story was me deciding early on, like, all right, I'm going to hate synths, because I actually got attacked by synths before I even knew what the fuck they were. And so I was like, all right, so these things I hate. Cool. Got it. And stumbling upon the railroad, who, where they were like, do you like synths? And I'm like, no. They're like, do you, will you kill synths? And I'm like, probably. And they're like, okay, you can go now. And I'm like, cool. And I, like, leave. Because I'm not going to, like, kill, kill them all right there. He wasn't a bad guy. He was just a prejudiced guy. And then, oh, what was his name? Deacon? Is that Deacon, right? Yeah. There's a character named Deacon. I don't he, know. If he it's... pulls you aside and he's like, hey, I know you don't like him, but look at it this way. We need people to help and you need money and places to sleep. So why don't you help? And that Deacon's was a like, pragmatist. And that was my point where that character in my mind, began this transition from being this prejudiced dude towards something he doesn't understand to being around since the lot and coming to to not just tolerate, but respect them, you know, and being less prejudiced because of it. And then he finds out about Sean and everything goes to hell. But that's besides the point. That was the, that was the point where I was loving the game the most is when I was dealing with the railroad because that's when I felt like I could actually develop my character's story yeah. through the choices I made. I agree. Honestly, um, that chunk of the game I thought was the the best in terms of the main narrative. Because there were some side quests that really stuck out for me that I really liked, and I thought you know it was good writing, it was good quest design. But as far as the main quest goes, I think that part, and I won't get into too much detail, but that that whole section, that stretch, was really interesting, and I, I liked where they went with it. I think I I you know messaged Colin or texted him you know when I got to that point. Uh, when I got to the Institute and was like, hey, you know, this is really interesting and this is kind of cool what they're doing. Um, one thing I'll say, and I won't get into like heavy spoiler territory or anything else like that, but um, I recently bought Far Harbor, which is the first big DLC. Um, and I was extremely surprised in a good way. Because Far Harbor was giving me the massive, like, New Vegas chills. There's a lot of choice. Now, it's not, like, the best story in the world. You know, the, the actual location is interesting. It's cool. It's kind of got a very, like, point lookout. If anyone played that DLC sort of vibe, it's very kind of misty, foggy, you know, uh, New England island sort of thing. You know, really cool. Um, vibe, but you know, it's not like anything crazy. It's not like, uh, you know, uh, Big Empty or anything like that in New Vegas. But story wise, I think it was, it was Bethesda reacting. They were being reactionary Bethesda. I don't think Far Harbor was in the cards when Fallout 4 came out in November of 2015. I think that was totally a reaction to the more negative critics of you know, how they took their systems and, you know, where they went with the story and the lack of choice. Because the thing, you're playing Far Harbor and there's skill checks. There's, you know, ways to completely circumvent, you know, the, I guess, route you would think you have to take in a quest and maybe do something completely different. So my outcome, I felt, really was a result of the character that I wanted to play. Um, I beat it 100% the other day. So, I mean, I've beaten Far Harbor completely. And that actually really has me excited, not only for the future DLC they have planned for Fallout 4, but kind of is giving me hope for whatever their next game is going to be. Which I'm assuming out. is an Elder Scrolls. But it, I was actually really pleasantly surprised, because there's a lot more 
kind of variability in Far Harbor than even there was in Fallout 4. And it's something that was pointed out by a lot of critic reviews and I think user reviews at this point. Cool. That's good. Yeah, I'll have to. I, mean, I liked that. the previews they showed for the DLC. Not, I don't even know if I would say DLC. They said they were updates that were coming out in the next two months. So I don't know if they're it's actually paid DLC or just updates coming to the game. Well, but it's the, like armor, weapon, and armor racks. There were new items you could build, uh, like elevators. Those are part uh, of the DLC. I do yeah, belts. Well, yeah. the the next big <clears throat> DLC, and, and they, they also announced this at E3 at Bethesda's conference, and I know there's been kind of, it's really not clear, but to me, Nuka World looks like it's actually a story DLC. Yeah. Yeah. It so that'll be interesting um, to see kind of where they go with it, if they kind of continue along the lines of what they did with Far Harbor, or if it's unrelated. I mean, I'm really hoping that it's, you know, a, a full-on story DLC like... Far Harbor was, but that that to me leads me to believe that there's still elements in Bethesda Game Studios that are saying, "Hey, nominally we are a RPG company. We may be mm-hmm. bigger now. We may have a bigger fan base, but this is kind of what we've built our name on. This is still the experience we want to provide. We still want to provide choice. Maybe we dialed back on this a little bit too much for Fallout 4, right. and now they're trying to correct course <laughs> a little bit." And you know, Far Harbor is not perfect by any means, but you know, by a lot of by a lot of um, you know, uh, the, the gameplay, it's it's still an extension of Fallout Four, but it, it definitely is a little bit more freeform in how you want to approach it than the main game was. The idea is that it's all there for you. Like you can you can bypass that and just fight if you want to, but if you want if you like the options and the dialogue, you know. That that is available to you, you should have that as well. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the whole point of it is that it, you can just skip past that if that's what your character is and just kick everyone's faces in, or you can like try and talk your way out of it if if that's what you want to be. That's the whole point of it, and that wasn't really there for you. It all kind of led you down the same path for the most part. You know, it's like oh, you could be a dick and then fight them, or you could be a nice guy and then they're dicks to you and you fight them anyway. Yeah. Like it, there weren't really options for uh, you. Well, that's what I liked about Far Harbor. I talked my way out of everything. Uh, exactly. Very yeah. rarely did it raise a gun in Far Harbor, and I thought that was cool. There was a gentleman who played all the way through Fallout Four, vanilla, without ever killing someone. Really? Uh, yeah, I saw that. That was that was weird. People especially, died. People yeah. died. Yeah, especially the Kellogg. He said he, the, the cheat was that he had his followers do all the fighting. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but he without actually firing a shot at anyone, he went through the entire nice. game. There's a dude who did a um, complete pacifist run in uh, New Vegas, and uh, I watched all of that, and it was really it was really cool. And that was like that was the kind of game where you could do that, you know. In in Fallout Four, you know, I mean, this is you know minor they, spoiler for you know main quest, but you but Kellogg has to die. There is no talking your way out of uh, Kellogg. Like, you, there's no talking, you know, you can't get around it. You can't talk your way out of it. He has to die, or the game does not progress for the main storyline. Right. Yeah. Well, the, so to sum it up, then, I think we, we pretty much touched on all the, the major points of Fallout 4 with, without, surprisingly, really spoiling yeah. much of it, which is great. <laughs> we did, which, which I appreciate. You said that one thing so, that was pretty ambiguous moment. to yeah, me. Yeah, so don't, Sean don't, don't, don't. is actually Liberty Prime. 
Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, so what would everyone's kind of final verdict on the game be? I'm not saying assign a number score, but in terms of good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Yeah, good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. Colin. Oh, um, well, if I'm gonna do it first, I would say that it's 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 great sci-fi. It captures all the elements of science fiction in a video game, post-apocalyptic video game that I I would want, really. Not in terms of gameplay, but in terms of it, it's great. <clears throat> there were so many things I loved about the game. Honestly, I I can't call it a bad game for one. I even though it's an RPG and it's a major RPG fault, I still think it's a fantastic game. But in terms of it being an RPG, it's missing the uh, the variability. Uh, I I loved this game. Like I know I know we kind of ragged on it for a while, but like there there's a lot about this game that is good and does get it right. Um, the characters are all really interesting. Like you you know it's in in Fallout uh, in New Vegas and in Fallout Three. Like you get you know your your followers aren't they're not terribly interesting. You meet interesting people. Like you meet you know the and the entire cult of people who are Elvis impersonators, um, <laughs> you know, you've got like you've got the cowboy robot that you know goes around and stuff. You've got the guy whose wife got kidnapped by legionaries. Um, but in 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 Fallout Four, you've got you know uh, your your robot butler who's like just he doesn't it hasn't phased him like that. Two hundred years have gone by. You've got, you know, this ghoul who, like, if you get, if you get uh, Hancock to idolize you and you send him, like, you, you remove him from your party, there's a random chance that he'll go and kill himself because he's got such, like, self-esteem <laughs> issues and chem problems. And that's, that's what I look for. It's like, I, I didn't even know about that. Like, I had no idea that even happened. Like, you've got, like, this Pinocchio robot who, like, wants to be a real girl. Like, that's crazy. Like, this is... It's it's great sci-fi. Yeah. I would say it's... It's good sci-fi. I can't argue that because I love the post-apocalyptic thing and I love Fallout's... And, and, and Fallout 4's interpretation of that. I think one of the, the few humor. things that I really enjoy about Fallout 4, even over, like, Fallout 3, is the world. I like the Commonwealth more than I like... The capital wasteland. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I just think it's it's great. I, I love I love the color. You know, I I just like the the geography. I like a lot of those elements that they kind of mixed in. Um, I think it's a good game. I do. Uh, I don't think it's a good RPG. Um, I think it's it's a solid Fallout title. I think that it captures all the elements that the the series is kind of known for. Um, you know removing the whole RPG element from that. I don't know if you really can, but I mean, aesthetically it nails it. Uh, it's just, I, I just wish they gave you more options. And like I said, to me, I, I have to be a little bit kinder because I feel like Far Harbor answered a lot of those, you know, kind of uh, questions I had or concerns I had. So I, I feel like they're heading in a good direction. But to me, yeah, I would, I would say good sci-fi. As a game I never played, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. No, I. You know what? I was never bored watching people play the game. I was always entertained. 
Eric, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. It's also your house, but I'm glad you're here. Ben? Good sci-fi, decent to good game, bad Fallout game. Very, very bad Fallout game. Awful Fallout game. I think you're too harsh on it. You remove choice. What do you have left in life? I would like to mention... I would like to go back to one thing really quick without, like, expounding on detail to my answer because you guys already gave the details to why, you know, we already talked about why that, why my verdict is what it is. I want to go back to talk about Bethesda really quick and comparing them in a way to CD Projekt Red because I think what we're seeing, and I have not played The Witcher 3 yet. I've not had the Ben, time. buy The Witcher 3. Uh, my, my we'll brother go has out it. tonight my brother and has buy it. Witcher 3 for you. My brother has it. <laughs> I have not. Had the, I have not had the time to commit to such a relationship that I know will take a toll on my life. Um, You'll never finish that game. From what I understand, <laughs> though, from everything I've heard, CD Projekt Red is the new Bethesda, and I I think that's a great way to put it. Is that you know people talk about The Witcher Three like people talked about Morrowind, which was like everyone loved Morrowind. Everyone. Through, like lost their shit when people when they announced a Skyrim remaster and they're like, what are you doing? You have two other great games to remaster and you're doing Skyrim? Okay, yeah, thanks for that. I would have rather seen Morrowind. Yeah, that was um, remastered. No, but that's and a great point. So I think I think uh, Bethesda is dead. Long live CD you know Project what? Red. <laughs> let's, let's... Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Never mind. Coming to you soon. <laughs> But I can't wait for that game. Because that's the thing. Like you just said, Ben, I 100% agree with you. I don't think Bethesda's dead, but I don't think Bethesda's hungry anymore. Yeah. CD Projekt Red is hungry. And they're hungry uh, to innovate. They the are they're the innovators right now. How? Bethesda is the game is, is the game developer where they're, they're established, spot, they've got yeah. the money, mm-hmm. they've got the <clears> fan base, they have the audience. They are going to create solid gaming experiences for years to come. They're going to release Elder Scrolls Six. They're going to release Fallout Five. We're all going to buy it. We're all going to play it. We're all Day going to one. sink Day weeks one. of our lives into it. It's just going to happen. Definitely. But at the end of the day, I'm truly excited for Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, definitely. Because I feel like that's a game. No, seriously. That's a that, game. Are you that, 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 that's no, a game. I, I just think it's funny that we're, we're still going. Well, no, that's a game. <laughs> this is it. I promise. We went an extra ten minutes on Event Horizon. I, pro- I promise you, we will do. A <laughs> we will podcast. when it comes out. I guarantee. Oh, but, but that's a game, just like Witcher Three. And you look at Witcher One, Witcher Two, Witcher Three. It was them innovating. They're trying new things. Some of the things didn't work, but they always tried, and they definitely maintained a good balance of you know satisfying their fan base but also kind of pushing more into kind of the accessibility into the mainstream but right. not dumbing it down yeah staying yeah. true to what an rpg is and that's why i have nothing but faith that cyberpunk 2077 is going to be a great game and i think it's going to be oh, even better than witcher 3 i knew cyberpunk 2077 would be a great game when i knew first... destiny was going to be a great game <laughs> yeah how wrong were we I knew Cyberpunk 2077 was going to be a great game when the first trailer was released, and they said, and at the end it said, coming, when it's done, or when it's ready, I think it was. Yep. And that was like, I was like, all right, I'm on board. I'll buy it day it's a very, It's a very I, Rockstar thing to I do. I honestly don't think that Fallout 4, they were attempting to dumb it down for a broader audience. I, I don't think that was the idea. Because I think that the they went for different, they tried to accentuate different aspects, like... 
Sims. The dialogue. Sims. Having, Sims, 4, having... Sims 4 Fallout Edition. <laughs> Mark, I, I think they I, were just trying to expand on having like full dialogue options. Mark, uh, I'm gonna let you finish. I gotta, I gotta interrupt you. I gotta interrupt you <clears throat> because Todd Howard straight up said in, about Skyrim that they've simplified it to reach a broader, broader audience. That he, those were his words. So if they did that for Skyrim, he didn't say it about Fallout 4. Granted, but it's the only conclusion. Which isn't always a bad thing, but don't do it to our RPGs. This is right. what we live for. Right. Go do it to Mass Effect. Um, no, <laughs> don't do Mass Effect uh, either. Yeah, they they can't touch Mass Effect. Mass Effect. Is Not dead. even Bioware can touch That's Mass Effect. That's all I got. Anymore. I'm sorry. Mass Effect. Right. Uh, well, it, it, yeah. We can we can bitch more about it this afternoon. Part two. <laughs> I will not do a part two of Fallout Four. <laughs> we should have never done a, a part two. What was that? Our, our second episode of the podcast was, was a part two. two. <laughs> but every that, episode that's after Star that. Wars, that was different because there was oh, no, to talk I just about. love every episode after that. We've been like. So episode two, episode two, <laughs> episode two. <laughs> if there's a collective agreement to do an episode two on something, I will do it in a heartbeat. But yeah. no, I think I we're never waste shit. Event Horizon. I, I, I will never do... waste two episodes of my life on Fallout. Oh, I, I'll yeah, do I was an actually... episode on speculation about Cyberpunk 2077. I was actually going to do. Yeah, I wanted to start it. a new podcast just about Event Horizon. Yeah, the Event Horizon. All right, all right, boys and girls. Thanks again for listening to us idiots just ramble on. About things we love. So, yeah. Cheers. Pew pew. Bye, four, four. <laughs> Snappy ending, Colin. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. What do you want from me?